Tonight on The Renault Show, I'm revealing the four types of tradies you need on your renovation team. Rowan will show you how you can choose the right type of window for your home. Naturopath entrepreneur Tammy Guest will give us her top tips to staying fit and healthy during your renovation. As well as Marissa from Beautifully Organised is here to tell us how you can get the whole family organised whilst renovating your kitchen. And we have Australia's leading market property analyst who is giving us his top tips on where you should be buying your next home. Welcome to The Renault Show. Welcome back to another week of renovation tips from me, Naomi Finlay, your personal rapid renovation expert. So you know what? You've already put together your A-team maybe, your real estate agents, one of your best buddies, you've got a great broker who sorted out all of your loan deals and you've given you the best mates rates they can have. You've got a private certifier looking for working with you who is an absolute whiz, who knows all of the building rules in your patch and you have a solicitor who has your back in the business side of things. Fantastic. So the first group or the A-team, they are all the professionals. They're going to be helping you figure out all the nitty gritty, all the paperwork stuff. And your B-team, they are your hands-on team, your trades, your guys, your gals, who will be helping you with the actual, actual physical side of your renovation. They are your muscle power. And they are called the B-team, not because they're less, less important than the A-team, but because you should be getting the A-team sorted first before you get to your B team. You wouldn't jump into an actual renovation before setting up your business and getting that stuff sorted, right? Well, it's exactly the same principle with the support network. Once you've got your paperwork and your business side of things secure, then you can roll up your sleeve and get your hands dirty on site with your B team if you choose. So let's dig into that just a little bit more. Some people say to me, what sort of professionals do I need to be adding to my B team? fantastic question. That actually depends on what you're planning to do on your renovation of your property. Are you looking to knock down walls or just paint them? Do you want to rip out and replace an entire kitchen or just pop in a new dishwasher after you've finished? It's important to know what your vision for a specific property is before you get started ringing around your B team, okay? So if you're not touching any of the plumbing, you're leaving the kitchen and the bathroom in exactly the same situation, then you're not really gonna be needing your plumber. And, and likewise, if you're looking to repaint your kitchen rather than replace it, you're not going to need your cabinet maker there either, are you? But on the other side of things, if you're going to be needing to install some hanging pendants and change out your flooring, you're absolutely going to need your electrician and your flora. Now, one of my golden rules is leaving the work to the pros. And when it comes to your B team, I feel exactly the same. Sure, you can totally get in and paint the walls yourself if you want to be a hands-on renovator. And, and if it's a smaller property, you may choose to do so. However, if it's a two-storey property with a large amount of scaffold, you might want to leave this to the professionals. And in many cases, this is a great idea. 
The other pretty obvious thing you need to keep in mind is that no two projects are the same. One project, you may need every single member of your B team on it, and you might be using them all to a huge extent. Your next project, you might literally be painting, changing out your light fittings, and changing your carpet. So the teams you need on each job will vary quite greatly. So you can see no two properties or projects are the same. But having said that, there are four main groups of trades that you can pull this B team from that you're likely to use. Now, the first group is really a licensed builder, okay? So a licensed builder is one of the most important people that you will have on your B team. And like the name implies, these guys and girls, they're fully qualified and fully licensed to do particular construction and building work. Now, there are two main types of renovation at either end of what I call the renovation continuum. There's cosmetic and there's structural. Generally speaking, if you're house flipping or your house renovating project falls into a constructive type of renovation or even towards it, you're going to need a licensed builder. And if you're planning on knocking down walls, you're going to need a licensed builder. And yes, these guys don't come free. They come at a reasonable price point, but the asset and the wealth that they bring to your renovation team is huge. They will look after the whole physical renovation so that you have more time to focus on all the other things in your renovating for wealth business. And this will make your house renovating or house flipping experience so much more less stressful. All right, now the second group is a licensed trade. So the second group of pros, they're licensed trades. And as the name suggests, these are tradesmen that are licensed to do the work that they're undertaking. They include things like your electricians, your plumbers, your gas plumbers or gas fitters, your tilers. There are so many to list out here. You can even split these further into two subgroups. So the first subgroup of a licensed trade are things like your electricians, your asbestos removals and your gas fitters or gas plumbers. The second subgroup here are things like carpet layers, tilers, painters and plasterers. Now the reason that these are two subgroups is really a legal one. So you can't carry out electrical work or gas fitting work without a license. It is absolutely against the law. Whereas many of the other trades, if you chose to, such as painting or carpet laying, you could choose to take this work on yourself. Sure, you can totally tile the shower yourself, but what are you going to do when you find out that you haven't laid the tiles right on the shower floor and that the water is pooling in an area away from the drainage or the waste pipe, so to speak? You'll probably have to rip out all the tiles, get in a licensed tiler, and that is time and money down the drain, it pardon the pun. So the best thing, regardless of what subgroup either of these trades are in, is that licensed trade will reduce, trades will reduce your risk of your entire renovation if you choose the right ones. If the pipes end up leaking, you don't want to be the one that has to fix them. Leave that to your trade. 
Now, group number three is unlicensed trades. So obviously hiring a licensed trade, there's a lot less risk because they're actually licensed to do the work that you're asking them to do. But in some cases, an unlicensed trade can come in so handy. And this is that why they're the third one on the list. So I'm not recommending you rush out and throw your cash at someone who's been in the business six months just because they're five or six times cheaper than a licensed trade. They're obviously cheaper for a reason. And one of them should probably be that you need to run, run, run for the hills. But if he's a guy who perhaps was a licensed trade for years and has since slowed down and they're nearing retirement, but they have a massive base of skill and a massive base of experience, they could be an amazing asset to your B team. So remember that this doesn't apply to those that need to be legally licensed, such as your gas fitters and your electricians. All right, now the fourth group are your labourers. So this last group on my list is really one of the most essential groups on a work site. So these guys are sometimes called unskilled labourers, which is slightly misleading. So they're unskilled because they've not been skilled or trained in one particular trade. It doesn't mean they came down in the last shower. They may be unskilled in that sense. However, they have a wealth of knowledge and can pick up so many of the tasks that many licensed trades don't on, on a work site. So do not be quick to dismiss these guys as they can be a huge, huge help. They might not be able to do your tiling, but they absolutely can make sure those tiles are unloaded and unwrapped and ready for your tiler. All the mulch is down, all the turf is down, all the site is clean. There are so many jobs that they can do. So there you have it. There are the four main groups of trades that will probably make their way onto your B team. And just like with your A team, it's never too late to chop and change. You might work with a carpenter on one project only to decide they weren't the best fit for you. And that's okay. As long as you communicate well, you'll be on your way to renovation success in no time with your A and your B team. Hi team, welcome back to the Renault Show. We're just going to uh, have a, another little tipple of wine here at the magical Tononi Estates in uh, the Hunter Valley. And uh, whilst we're having our wine... A tipple. A tipple. A tipple. A little tipple at Tononi. Um, we're looking at these beautiful, beautiful double-hung casement windows, double-hung windows here. Uh, yeah. And we're thinking um, windows. All things windows. All things windows. So we thought, well, why don't we share with you some things window orientated? So, um, yeah, a few little tips maybe on, on how to choose windows that are suitable for application and, and uh, some style and design tips. And, yeah, that look great. So I have a massive rule in any renovation I do. A space without function is a joke, basically. I don't care how hot it looks. I don't care how beautiful it is. I don't care how much it costs. If it's not functional, it is the wrong decision. Absolutely. And realistically, let's face it, yes, windows are amazing and beautiful and they bring nature in and all of that, but they're actually there for a functional reason. They're to let in light and they're to ventilate the space. They are the primary functions of it. And depending on what the space is and what your function inside the space is, it actually has a massive impact on what you choose. So obviously for bathrooms, we need privacy 
but at the same time, we really need ventilation. We really need airflow because you can get into all sorts of moisture issues, as I'm sure you're all aware, in a bathroom. So absolutely, it's really important to keep that airflow moving through that to keep that that environment as dry as possible. And similarly, for example, if you had a space that you really wanted airflow, but you knew the weather conditions that you were in in that location, that side constantly got pounded with rain, you wouldn't be putting in one of these gorgeous double hung windows. That's right. Or alternatively, if you've got a, a, a west facing wall that's got a massive window in it, that's just letting so much heat into the house, then you need to find a way to alleviate that as well. So, so it's thermally inefficient. Thermally inefficient. And if you're in a noisy location as well, windows, uh, uh, they're like a membrane. They're um, portals, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. So they can bring a lot of noise in as well if you don't do it the right way. So um, let's have a think about them. So what about a casement? What Casements are great and beautiful. And when, when really are they good for airflow. Amazing for airflow. But let's talk security. So if you've got a casement window, it's, it's it op for those that don't know, a casement window will be a, a side hinge window that opens outwards. Like a door. Like a door, basically, yeah, as a window. Um, so it's opening out. So from the inside to open that out, you've immediately negated any sort of security screening on that because you can't. Or fly screening. Or fly, well, Unless yeah, you have the yeah, internal right. ones. Unless you have the, like, the fold down ones and things like that that you can get. So that's really important as well to consider. Really good for airflow. Amazing um, and beautiful. And really nice to look at. But because they open out as well, and if you're in a single story dwelling or something like that, and it opens onto a egress a walkway, way, a walkway or something like that. A deck. Constantly walking around those. And as, as everyone knows, if it's, the corner of your casement window ends here, you're not looking there when you're walking. So you're constantly barking your head on that. And... Similar thing happens with the beautiful big bifold windows yep. that people often have. Um, you know, I, I, ha I have a friend who has a beautiful big bifold window on top of a servery, yep. but it hangs out quite substantially and it hangs out about the height of my five-year-old's forehead. And so it's an amazing, beautiful way to open up that kitchen and dining. But in that circumstance, they maybe would have been better off putting in a gas lift. That's right. And you, so you need to consider the, the implications of the window open as well as the window closed. So, Fantastic yeah, way to put it. That's right. And if you're going to put a bifold over a servery, then maybe you should consider extending your servery to be past the edge of the bifold when it's fully open as well. So, cool. that's so it's not just about the window, it's about what's right. around it. Exactly, exactly. So, and then you, bifolds again, um, can be quite easily secured um, top and bottom because you can put a bolt, a drop bolt on, on yep. each section of that window. They are a little bit more expensive to, um, to buy. They there's are. a fair bit of working machinery in a bifold. And there's a fair bit of work in making sure it's installed correctly because it actually has to slide over quite a big distance and slide well. That's right, that's right. So, um, and there's a lot of moving parts in it, so there's a lot of things that potentially can go wrong, so it's important to get it right to start with. A lot of Absolutely. bifolds are double tracked, so there's one at the top and one at the bottom, mm -hmm. and it will track through both. But you can also get them just to hang, hang. Which, which helps when it comes to the tracking mechanism on the, on the bifold. So. You know what I'm a massive fan of? I'm a fan Tell of Tell me what you're a awning. massive fan of. I'm no. a massive fan of this Fidello, but I'm also a massive fan of an awning window. I really do love an awning window for a couple of reasons. So I, I'm huge on ventilation. My children are always like, Mum, it's cold. I'm like, we need to air the house. We need ventilation. It'll get rid of all the germs of four children, you know. <laughs> Good um, luck. Yeah, exactly. 
but I do love it because if it's raining, I can have it open. Um, if I'm out of the house, I can have it open and locked. Yes. You know, so I can secure, I can have secure ventilation and even protective ventilation in a summer or a winter storm. I don't have to go out to work and worry that it's going to rain and everything in the house is going to get flooded. That's right. One time in 11 years have I ever had water up and inside, and it was a horrific storm, my awning window. So I think sometimes they're not perfect for everything. They're no. certainly not perfect if anyone's going to be walking out there or at head height. You know, they're certainly not perfect in that circumstance. They do need internal screening. Yeah, you can security screen them. So they, from a security point of view, they're perfectly um, valid as a choice. Absolutely. Um, but I do love them for that because for wind and security, you can have them locked open. I tell you what, water, sorry. another good thing too is if you have um, eaves over your windows and you have a double hung window, so you have, yep. uh, similar to these ones here, you can't see them on the camera, I'm sorry, but it's basically uh, the outside window is, is at the top and the inside window is at the bottom and they both slide against each other. Yes. So if you're in a weathered, uh, that's got weather protection and it's raining, you can close the bottom window and open the top yeah, window. Yeah, so great for double hung. Yeah, so great for double hung in that case. And all that hot, moist air can go out through the top window and um, you've still got weatherproof from the bottom. Good bringing so. up another point. Well done, Rowan. Double hung windows in second stories. Yes. Floor to ceiling. So there are regulations in our country for safety when you're in a window of a certain height above the ground, especially a second story, but even if you have an elevated property, about window openings that go to ground. Lots of the older homes used to have double hungs floor to ceiling. That's right. Um, yeah. And they're obviously, if you have a, a toddler crawling around and it's literally just secured with a fly screen when it's open, that is an issue. That's so you right. do need to always think about how high you are off the ground and what the Building Code of Australia says in regard to what windows you're allowed to have there. And even if it is an opening, even if it's a fixed pane above a certain height, there needs to be a specific grade of glass. That's right. Yeah, safety glass in that. Also, if your window... Abuts... I always get serious, don't I? I know, but it's important. Sorry. You need to consider these things. Also, if your, your, your window abuts a pool area... Huge. So you need to make sure that... You're that, only thinking um, that because you're looking I'm out on the gorgeous pool. I'm just looking at the beautiful pool, pool here. But um, yeah, in a, in a previous life, I was a pool safety inspector as well. So I know that there's legislation, at least in Queensland, and it's coming across Australia now as well, with regards to windows opening into pool areas and keeping toddlers safe from harm. So again, you're dictated by opening sizes and screening ability of those windows and um, ability for them to be, to be operated by children. So check that stuff out as well so it all comes into play do you know one thing we haven't talked about what's that sliding standard good old-fashioned the standard yeah like the most probably window. the most common type of window and affordable in the country yes and functional and from the perspective of security screening insect screening ventilation yep you can have them locked at specific points color styling oh my gosh affordability yep. ease to install that's right that's right so for those that you don't know, standard sliding window is a fixed pane with a slider that goes either right to left or left to right. Really affordable because in the same space that it might take you to put two sets of casement windows, you could put one slider. Because you can even have a fixed pane and sliders either side. Oh, of course, yes, yes. And really good for ventilation because you can open essentially open it all the, way up. the whole way up. Um, very good for security as well because you can just, it's, it's all operated from the inside. It doesn't open out, it opens on the plane of the wall so you can just fix a screen to the outside of it. 
Um, and because it's a slider, well, sliders in general are not as thermally efficient as uh, hinged windows because due to the nature of the operation of the window, there has to be some sort of uh, gap, non-friction yep. for it to work. Whereas a casement window, for example, it's or an awning window, yeah, will will close Completely hard against close. something. Yeah, so you can you can get less air leakage in that. And but, you can be in trouble if you go out and you leave one of those open and it rains. Yeah, that's right. You can be. That's right. But you know what? For functionality apart from that, and for price and all of those things, Can't standard beautiful little sliding windows. Can't go past the slider. They're a win they're a winner. Not mm -hmm. always aesthetically exciting no but they are highly functional they are they are and your window budget is a massive part of your reno budget too so it is absolutely that's yeah. such a good point yeah. so so many people will buy a renovator and they'll go it'll be fine once i replace all the windows it's about 10 percent of your budget it's huge absolutely huge and if you didn't budget on it it's it oh is it can sting it can sting. It absolutely can. And it's not just the actual cost of the windows. There's actually quite an art. When you think about it, having your window installed and uninstalled, you are weatherproofing, you are thermally proofing, and you are securing your home from the outside. So it's not something to be taken lightly. No, that's right. And it's not something, to be honest with you, I've never fitted a window and I have no intention of trying. No, I'd best left to professionals because you're talking mm. about uh, water penetration so you don't need that inside your wall no cavity. you don't if you spend all that time and money um making your wall linings inside look amazing then a little bit of water can undo all that so just yeah just get the professionals to install who would those. have thought we could talk so much about windows absolutely and if you get the chance go to the showroom oh yes go to the showroom showroom and see them in a setting that's replicant of a house operate them see how they feel for you see how they look the benefits of them, whether you want um, whether you want double glazing for noise insulation and things like that, yeah. Get amongst Just it, Rowan. Just get amongst it. Get your elbows in there. Wind the sleeves up. Go. Here with us now is a very, very special guest, very dear to my heart. It's Tammy Guest. Tammy is a naturopath from TammyGuest.com. Welcome, Tammy. Hi, Naomi. I'm very excited to have you here because you know, having known me for so long as you do, that the renovation game isn't always lovely and gorgeous to our health. Not to your body, no. And our stress and our overall shiny, glowy well-being. In fact, sometimes us passionate types about renovation can get so into our renovation that we actually forget that we're a living, breathing, we have a pulse, and we might need a little fuel every now and then. So, I have Temi on the Reno Show because I think it's absolutely essential for those that truly love their renovation, truly want to continue doing it on whether it's their own home or whether it's as a business, you will soon lose legs and you will soon stop enjoying it if you absolutely smash yourself each and every time you renovate. But that doesn't mean you like have to put the handbrake on, right? Not at all. You can do it in a fun kind of way, but you don't want to get to the end of the next renovation and not be able to do the next one after that. Exactly. So I'm not going like only work you know nine till three make sure you sleep 15 hours a night I'm not saying any of that I'm saying there are a couple of hacks and a couple of things that if you really pay attention to which is what Tammy's here to share with you you can still like smash it out but in a way that you don't end up smashing yourself yeah totally fair call yeah absolutely all right so number one thing that affects most of us on a Renault site is 
probably stress, right? Yeah, totally stress all the way. And that stress, I've seen it with um, renovators. With or, me. Yes, with you <laughs> and with some other people who have been doing builds. And the biggest thing when it comes to stress is how that actually affects them and other people around them uh, and the communication that they have with those people. But <laughs> uh, and that happens on a day-to-day -day basis. There's these yeah. interactions that you have that actually affect your adrenal glands and your adrenal glands are there looking after your stress for you and trying to keep that kind of covered. Okay, cool. So if you could give someone a snapshot of what their adrenal gland is and where it is in 30 seconds, what would it be? Your adrenal glands are a small squishy thing that sits on top of your kidneys in your lower back. And there's a few people in, who are in renovation that have lower back issues. So it gives a little hint there. And it looks after your stress. It, it, it um, pumps through adrenaline to help you keep going and going and going. But if it keeps going and going and going, it starts robbing you of lots of vitamins and nutrients, which makes you tired, cranky, can't sleep, can't react the way that we usually would. And uh, in the end, gets you really exhausted, not really ready for the next reno. Okay, good. So stress obviously affects our adrenals, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So what are some of the things that you've seen and what are the, some things we can do to help us kind of keep that momentum and that vibe and feel like we're smashing it and pumping it without smashing and pumping our adrenals? Yeah. So the five key hacks. Okay, go. One. Number one, caffeine unfortunately smashes your adrenals just by being caffeine. It doesn't even have to give you stress. It actually smashes them. Okay. So I'm not saying take away all your caffeine, but if you can halve the amount of caffeine you've been having, if that's energy drinks, halve the amount. If it's uh, Coke, halve the amount. And if it happens to be coffee, halve the amount. Okay. Tea? Tea, similar kind of scenario, <laughs> but replace it with water. It's incredible how much uh, any human being is actually dehydrated at any point in time and you can be so much more focused so much more on trip make really clear decisions be able to communicate better if you're hydrated yep. so if you just swap it with some water a little hack there okay number two number two is vitamins and nutrients so adrenaline uses magnesium b vitamins and a whole bunch of other stuff but magnesium is found in bananas nuts seeds so an amazing it's also found in a bottle right it is also found in a <laughs> bottle right it is, but you'll notice if you're getting tired, if you're getting crankier than usual, if you get cramps in your legs or feet, magnesium, totally all the way. And it helps us calm down and make decisions really easily. Calm decisions. Calm, focused decisions. It also helps with about 300 other pathways in your body, so it can be really beneficial. Like you said, it can be found in a bottle, but you could easily have a banana smoothie and do exactly the same kind of thing. Okay, number three. So banana smoothie is great because you don't need a stove for that. No, it and you can have it on the way to the site. You can completely. have Completely. You could do it in a blender from a power board out at the power meter. Yeah. Okay, totally. cool. Number three. Uh, number three is making sure that you are having a nana nap when you need it. Now, How long's a nana nap? A nana nap's 20 minutes. Okay. Now, All right. We can do that. Big companies like Google and others have sleep pods even in their buildings they specifically do. for it. And it's because it optimizes your performance. Now, it is kind of a performance standing there trying to maneuver people around, getting them to do what you want them to do and getting things done on a timeline. So 20 minutes in your day actually will double the amount of energy you have and focus and halve the amount of stress for another 21 hours. So that technically means I can take a 20 minute nana nap and then yep. smash out totally. at double time, double pace the next 10 hours. Yeah, instead of dragging mm. it out through that time when you're 
absolutely at your most tired and, and working at half that kind of okay. performance. Oh, maths girl, she's convinced me on that one. Yeah. All right, number four. Number four, uh, stop skipping meals. Okay, so what happens when we skip meals, Tammy? <laughs> All those vitamins and nutrients that are supporting your adrenal glands, supporting your focus and concentration, supporting every decision you make is actually a biochemical process. Okay. And chemicals in your brain are made from vitamins and nutrients. And if you starve your body of vitamins and nutrients, then you're not going to be making the best decisions. And so I guess that, that really tells me that it's so, so important that you have a repertoire of things that are easy to do yeah. on site or easy to do on the way to site or the way from site, or you identify near your site that you're renovating in really early on places that you can get quick food from, make relationships, see if they can deliver. Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. Um, Delivery on site is fantastic. Having uh, lunch provided for everybody there makes everybody happy as well as you and your biochemistry. And making sure that you've got quick, easy things that are already in your car because that's kind of going to be your home for a little bit. For a while. <laughs> and having those fast little things like smoothies uh, and soups to have on the way. Okay. Even soups out of a straw? Totally. Okay. I can do that. Nutrients and nutrients doesn't matter where they come from. Okay. Good job. Doesn't matter what form they're in. No. All right. Number five. Number five is making sure that you actually schedule just the same as you've scheduled everything else. You've scheduled your timings of each different um, tradesmen, products coming in, yep. activities, going to market or installing anything. And you also schedule time with yourself. So scheduling time with yourself means that's that not with like the chippy or the plumber or no, no. not with the chippy, okay. not with the plumber, and not even with your family. To be honest, you ne need okay. to have time out. And again, similar kind of uh, numbers when it comes to that time out. You're ideally looking for one hour a week out of the 160 odd that we have to do something mm. you actually enjoy for yourself or spend time out in nature. It actually brings down your cortisol and your adrenaline for another 21 hours after that to be able to look after you. and So it's like investing really, isn't it? Absolutely. It's like banking. So the Nana app helps me bank so I can then expend more energy. Yep. And the doing something on my own for me actually then banks energy and decreases my biochemistry levels of cortisol so I can actually Focus. go longer, go better, yep. be more efficient, be more productive. Totally. So what you're telling me is if we, as renovators, take a little simple tidbit from each of these five, or even if we just did one it as a starting point, one. if we did one as a starting point, so if someone halved their caffeine or always took lunch to site or found somewhere to deliver, just one of those things could actually affect our productivity, which as you know, guys, I'm all about time is money. If it affects our productivity, it actually increases the value in your renovation or increases your overall equity at the end or increases your overall profit at the end. Yeah. So they're, they're realistically, they are five money-making tips. Absolutely. Realistically. Like, yeah. they're not just five tips to, like, get all loved up and think that I'm taking good care of myself. We can reframe that completely mm -hmm. and say there's five badass tips to actually make you more money across your renovations. Yeah. Are you happy with that reframe? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're saving time in the conversations that you're having. You're not having that same conversation 20 different times because you're actually on the ball. You're focused, you're concentrating. You know what you're about to say. You know the decision you're making instead of being half Instead of second guessing then, yourself constantly. Yeah. 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 Is that like that, um, that, you know, 3.30 in the afternoon where you're like, I know I need to send that email. I know I need to talk to them about that invoice. I just, oh. 
Or you do the half an email and accidentally send it because you're not actually on the ball. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. On <laughs> in, that that moment, moment. in that moment, you have your sleep, you have your water, you have your food, you have your nourishment, or you have your time out, and then bang, you're back on. And all of a sudden, you can smash that out yeah. the way you want to. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Tammy. Guys, please, um, I implore you to at least try one of these things and see what a change it can make to how not only you perform, but how you approach things and how you feel about it. So thank you so much, Tammy. I know that we're getting you back um, more and more on the show because it's such an important part of renovating. So we'll see you then. Great to see you. Organisation is one of the biggest challenges when you are mid-renovation, right? So if you're deciding to renovate your kitchen, how do you function if you're still living in the house? Well, today I have with me Marissa Roberts. Welcome, Marissa. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute ple pleasure from beautifullyorganised.com. And so we're going to talk today about your top tips to, I guess, make this organisation of your kitchen during a kitchen renovation that little bit easier and that little bit more streamlined. Yep. So where do we start? Well, the first thing I'd recommend to everybody is a little bit of mental preparation. Things are going to be difficult for a while. They're going to be challenging, you'll, aren't they? You'll be out of your comfort zone and chances are you'll have multiple people in the house out of their comfort zone at the same time. Including children. Including children. Never easy. So the first thing I'd recommend, declutter. Take out all the work beforehand before you begin. Get rid of everything that you don't want anymore and pack away in storage the things that you won't be using on an everyday basis. So like your Christmas platters. Absolutely. Your cake decorating set. You're not going to need that during your reno. And if you do, you need to outsource it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So pack away everything we're not going to need during that six-week time, for example, yep. and use it as a great opportunity to throw away all the stuff that we've really just been holding on to. Now's the time to clear it out. No more hoarding. And then it's going to be a nice, clear space ready to all work All right. With. So second step. Second step is yep. be aware of the things that you'll be missing out on. Okay. Yep. For example... You won't have a fridge. You won't have your oven. You'll need to be prepared meals and you won't have the counter space or the wet area to do your dishes like okay. you normally so do. So what do we do? Well all you need to do is find a big open space with a few different power points so you can set up any appliances you're going to need. Think in terms of a mini fridge, yep. a microwave, maybe a cooktop, a portable cooktop. That's about it and make sure your space can handle a few different appliances plugged in at the same time. You could even use some saw horses and a, and a leftover door and create a bench yep. in a different space of the house. Absolutely, a nice big bench on top, put your cooktop on top of that, storage and a rubbish bin underneath and then you've basically got your whole kitchen area in one go. Except your wet area. Yes. So what do you do? Your dishes are going to be a bit of a problem so if you have a separate laundry, go for your laundry sink or a lot of us end up washing washing dishes in the bathtub. Is there an easy way to do that? <sighs> Unfortunately not. If you okay. can get a hold of a drying mat so that you can put your dish rack on that, then you'll get a little bit of stabilization, but you've got to think in terms of being able to move it quickly for showering, bathtub, and then bringing it back in for dishes. So in an ideal world, if you did have to do that, so if you didn't have a separate laundry sink, you did have to use your bath yep. and you had a separate shower, maybe you could quarantine off the bath for the period of the renovation and just say everyone's showering. Yeah, no more baths while we're, cook while we're cleaning in here. Okay, all right, I like it. Now what's your, what would you think would be your biggest tip to try and survive a kitchen renovation in regard to organisation? Absolutely simplify. If you can take some time out, 
do things elsewhere. So I'm a big fan of going out to dinner. Take away. <laughs> Absolutely. The less, the less work you can do in your space, the more sanity you're going to keep while you're doing it. So simplify, simplify, simplify. I like it. They're the three tips, I guess, from this. Yes. Simplify, simplify, and simplify. But realistically, <laughs> it's also preparation. Yes. Having that forethought, not going all of a sudden, I'm going to demolish my kitchen today. Where am I going to put all this stuff? Or just emptying it into another room because you're going to be living on top of it. Yep. Absolutely. I like it. Thanks so much, Marissa. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Now, many of you are renovating because you want to create a beautiful, amazing space for yourself and your family to live in. But there's a portion of you I know that are actually looking to renovate to create wealth, which you all know is exactly what I love. Now, I'm very lucky today. I have with me on the couch, in the chair, John Lindemann from 7 Steps to Success com.au. John is Australia's leading property analyst and has an amazing method and algorithm that he uses to help find some of the best suburbs around the country to renovate in. So John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Naomi. It's great to be here. Wonderful. So I have a hot tip, hot question for you today. I want hard and fast answer off you. If all these viewers out here are maybe looking for an investment property or looking for a renovator, how do they know what suburb to choose? What are like three of the key things they must look at? Well, I think the first thing you've got to look at is location. Okay. It's got to be somewhere not too far away from where you live if you're going to do the reno yourself. Yep because you'll soon get tired of driving an hour and backwards and forwards every day. So that restricts you in some way. And the next thing is the type of property because okay. you're going to either want to buy a unit or a house and you've got to look at what you can afford to buy, what that can deliver for you. So that's another thing to look so at. So there are two of the first things. Yep. What would be the next big thing that you want people to look at? And this is probably the most important of the okay. lot, Naomi, and that is you've got to do this in an area that's got growth potential. Okay, so explain on that. What do you mean by growth potential for those that aren't kind of in our groove? Yeah, what I mean by that is it's an area where housing prices are likely to rise rather than to fall. And it's pretty obvious that if you do a renovation over 12 months and you sell in a market that's fallen by say 10 or 20%, then you're gonna lose all your profits. You may even come out of it you know, with a loss. So realistically, you're looking for a place that either you add value to and it's going to have just standard and normal type of growth during that period, or you can skyrocket the value that you're adding to that property by choosing it in a suburb that's going to have growth as well. It's like a double bunger really, isn't it? It is. But you definitely don't want to be renovating in a suburb that's going to have a growth drop um, or a, uh, you know, a recede in its value because your renovation value adding that you're putting on top of that is gonna kind of see you come out neutral for all your hard work. Mm. Okay, so how do they look for that? Well, there's a number of ways you can do that. And the, one of the easiest ways is to have a look at the type of area, talk to real estate agents and property managers about the way in which the suburb is heading. Are more buyers moving into the area? the number of listings, that is properties listed for sale. Mm -hmm. You can check this on an online listing site. Yes. Are they falling? These are the signs you need to look for. Okay. And if someone said, you know, John, I'm just not convinced that the agents in my area really are going to give me an honest answer, what's the best way for someone to do that themselves? The best way is to 
look at published information about the suburb. Okay, perfect. Where can they find that? Is there any open access areas on the internet at the moment that people can find a bit of information to help them with that? There certainly is, Naomi. You can, you can go to um, Your Investment Property magazine, the online site. So you can head over to the site and what can you find there that's going to help you? On that site, you can, it's a, a suburb search, which is free. You type in the name of the suburb and then all this data about sales information over the last year pops up as well as price movements. Absolutely perfect. Gold. All right, guys, you have it. There are three of the most important things. And the first things, if you're looking to get into the renovation game to create wealth, you need to find the right suburb. So thanks so much for being with us today, John. And I know that we're going to be having you back really soon. Thanks a lot, Naomi. Bye, everyone. Next time on The Reno Show, Denise is revealing the different types of money personalities that we all have. Rowan's got the best ways to check the integrity of your bathroom, and I'll show you the best way to work out how much your reno will cost you. Mark's back to shed some light on the Melbourne property market, and the organisation queen, Marissa, is here to tell us how we can stay organised during our bathroom reno. Remember to like and subscribe to our channel to receive weekly renovation and lifestyle inspiration. If you have a question about today's show, leave a comment below and we'll be sure to get straight back to you.